This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Good gardening, folks. We are live and lively from Deerberg's parking lot at 222, that's 222 North Highway 67, which is Limburg. And it's one of the numerous places where Deerberg's Earth Day commitment comes alive. Deerberg's has the Boy Scouts. They partnered together here and all the other locations, too, across the metropolitan area. And they're accepting donations in the spirit of Earth Day. And if you give a donation... You get half off Cardinal tickets. So, yeah, more information related to this, Mears, M-E-R-S, Goodwill.org. You can get the information on locations. Because I think there's 12 different Deerbergs. Some folks are actually here dropping off something, the very first people of the morning. So uh, now you know where we are. How's your landscape? How about your garden? How about your houseplants? What's going on? What's in your? What's on your mind? This is your show, and I'm here to help you make sound decisions. And remember, healthy plants mean work, timing, and information. So you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The true brains behind this live and lively broadcast this week. In studios, Greg Harvey producing, and Alex is here as a remote engineer. I'm Mike Miller. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. I've been doing the Garden Hotline for 25 years. And uh, also, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And uh, during the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home and help you solve some of the problems, you know, whether they're aesthetic, whether they're actually, you know, let's say, something wrong with the plants, care and maintenance, or whatever it happens to be. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On my homepage, my email address and phone number are there so you can contact me. And uh, today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Ah, bright sun was spiced with various clouds. They were adding drama to the early morning road trip northward. Train whistles in the background as I stepped out of my car. And as I pulled into the parking lot, whoops, I pulled in my parking lot before I stepped out of the car. At least I think I did. And uh, I noticed a Camox van sitting there near the tractor trailer with a message on the side of the tractor trailer. The tractor's not here, just the trailer. Neighbors United on Earth Day and every day with Goodwill, and it has Goodwill's logo, and Scout It Out, which has the Boy Scout logo, logo as well. The parking lot here has many islands, and a lot of them have white-blooming, smaller-growing crabapple trees. And they have an area of lawn underneath them that's green. The pink flowering crab apples in the parking lot have finished blooming, and they're just pushing out some good leaves. And the, the green-friendly demarcation line separating Limburg from the parking lot, there's a great hedge of burning bush, which is green this time of year. In the fall, it'll be red. 
the entire length it runs. And uh, there is access for cars to get in and the sidewalk exits as well. Other plantings around, there's some upright junipers, which hide some of those scary metal boxes. And some folks are starting to show up, so that's really great. And there's some junipers. You know, those junipers have some blue cones or blueberries. They're not blueberries, they're blue cones, like a pine cone, only it's juniper cones. Viburnums, which are in flower, some spirea, some catmint, emerging ornamental grasses, clumps of daylilies. Birds are singing. It's a brand new day. And the panorama, 360 degrees, as you stand here in the parking lot, shows a lot of giant emerging trees. Not quite full-size leaves yet, but uh, really getting going. It's a great day to head out with Earth Day in mind. So head out here to this Deerbergs and other Deerbergs as well, where Boy Scouts are going to be taking your donations and putting it into the tractor-trailer truck or trailer for Mears Goodwill Organization. So again, more information, mearsgoodwill.org. That's triple W. And again, for your donations, you get one half off tickets for Cardinal Games. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Mornings and afternoons, KMOX has news at the top and bottom of the hour. Traffic and weather every 10 minutes. And sports at 15 and 45. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are live and lively at Deerberg's on 222 North uh, Highway 67 Lindbergh, which is in Florissant, where there's a great combination going on of Goodwill and Boy Scouts. So you can bring your donations here and drop off your donations between, is it 8 and 3 o'clock this afternoon? And you also get, uh, for donating, not only just a good piece of, you know, a feeling in your heart, but also you get half off some Cardinal Game tickets. So if you do have any questions or concerns about your landscape, your houseplants, or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Greg Harvey will be taking your name and where you're calling from. He'll send that information up to Alex, and then we'll do whatever. And let's go first call will be Ken, and he's in Washington County, Illinois. Hi, Ken. Good morning. Two quick questions for you. We had a, we had a geranium in the house all winter, and it never bloomed. I want to take cuttings off of it and start more plants, obviously. And now it's blooming like crazy. Do I wait, uh, do I wait until it quits blooming, or can I take those cuttings now? Yeah, if you take the cuttings off the stems that have flowers on them, you're, I mean, you may have success with it, but I would say it's going to be somewhat limited because the flowering really stresses the plant out, even if it's not a cutting. So uh, to take a yeah. cutting and then expect it to get rooted, I would say you're better off not to do it. You better wait. Okay. One other quick question. We have an asparagus patch, and I deep, I deep mulched it with uh, cypress mulch this spring. Is do you have any problems with doing that? No, because you know the acidity should be fine. Uh, just not so it's not so deep that it's going to prevent the asparagus from spears from being able to shoot up. No, they're coming up fine. But uh, okay, then you should be fine. Very good. Thank you. All right. Yep. yep. So geraniums and asparagus in Washington County, Illinois. Now let's stay in Illinois and go to Mount Olive, and that's where Jeff is. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Mike. How you doing? 
Hey, Very uh, good. Quick question. A uh, quick question for you. I got like uh, 250 feet of road frontage, and I'm trying to put like a living hedge on it or something. Uh, yeah, I was thinking burning bush, maybe privet or something. Do you have any suggestions for that? They have a girl, you know, eight to ten foot tall. Or well, the burning bush—that's uh, certainly a good tough one. You're saying it's along a road. Uh, correct. It's not a well. That's not a well traveled road. Actually, I only okay. like two or three cars go through it a day, but. So you live in a really exotic place. But, yeah, the burning bush would be a good choice. And probably put them about uh, six or eight feet apart. That will allow them maturity. If you want them to infill quicker, then you just move, you know, you plant them a little bit closer. Do those grow pretty fast? I mean, like, uh, in the next three or four years, will I be able to, you know, four or five feet? Uh, No. Depends upon what size you get. But uh, you realize that... You know, if you're buying even a five-gallon pot, you're paying quite a bit for that individual plant, but it's still going right. to take the larger the pot, the, long, the longer it takes to acclimate to actually get some active growth. So you're really looking at a considerable period of time, to be honest with you, to actually get a hedge going that's going to infill this space. And then you always, I mean, you've probably realized that the burning bush are deciduous, so during the wintertime they're not going to have any, you know, any foliage on them at all. Okay. Do you have any suggestions? I would I would say maybe consider looking at some of the junipers, even the Fitzer type junipers or the you know the upright junipers. They you know they're evergreen. They're gonna you can buy the junipers you know in larger sizes versus the burning bush. They're not going to give you any kind of fall color or anything, but they're going to give you year round screening. Okay. All right. Well, appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Yep. And if anybody has any questions, concerns, three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I've got kind of a new segment I came up with uh, just recently. It's called In the Rearview Mirror. And In the Rearview Mirror is a circumstance where something I've said one week, uh, uh, you know, somebody's emailed me the, you know, after that and, th- you know, I found out that certain things maybe not quite what I was, you know, I wasn't totally correct or right. But In the Rearview Mirror, the segment... Uh, I think it was last week, or maybe it was, no, it was probably like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, a gentleman from Shiloh, Illinois called, and he said they've got all this star of Bethlehem blooming over there in Shiloh, and I kept, you know, I said, are you sure it's star of Bethlehem? He said, well, I took it to a garden center, and we sort of identified it as star of Bethlehem, but consequently, I kept saying, you know, this time of year, it seems like star of Bethlehem is a little bit early. And you might be looking at Clatonia, which is a, you know, it's lower growing. He said, well, this, the foliage on the Star of Bethlehem really looks like onions. Well, t- I'll tell you, I was walking around our neighborhood, and there's a yard that is just full of Star of Bethlehem. It's in full bloom, and the foliage is definitely looking like onions. So I was probably wrong, and the gentleman was right with his identification of the Star of Bethlehem. Also, last week, I know this was last week for sure. A gentleman called and said he had uh, some seeds of cucumbers that he started. Uh, the stem was about four inches long, and it had one set of leaves on it. And I said, well, probably, you know, this is kind of a longish stem. So I recommended him just planting them outside right now. Uh, somebody emailed me that is obviously a computer, a computer, 
cucumber expert as far as growing. She said I should have told them to go ahead and just pot them up in you know in a larger pot and bury the stem and keep them in pots and not take them outside because she was a little bit concerned about the temperatures and everything along that line. So me recommending from her standpoint to put them outside wasn't probably the best advice. And then consequently also she you know she said that uh, there's no you like I said there's no problem burying the stem and I was just worried that the stem may get bent or or something like that. And she actually grows cucumbers enough that she makes 90 pickled, you know, 90, 90 jars of pickles from the cucumbers she grows. So she thought I was, you know, I was wrong about a couple things about, you know, actually getting the, you know, the, the stem just to, to pot it up as opposed to me saying, oh, just plant them outside and then get some more seed and start all over again. As opposed to just keeping those plants that already had, you know, germinated and just plant them in a pot and bury that stem. So in the rearview mirror, those are two circumstances. I was probably not exactly right about certain things. So there's other things that are going on in the outdoors in your yard. The weed circumstance, well, first of all, I mean, I'll stay away from the weeds for right now. This has been the best year for flowering trees that I can remember. I mean, the dogwoods have been spectacular as far as pure whiteness. The red buds are finished now, and they were striking as well. But, I mean, these dogwoods, not only just the white ones, but the pink ones, it just seems like everything is blooming in sequence as it should. And it's just been surprising to have it, you know, to have this actually happen. And there has, I thought, sure, there was going to be some major trouble because of the cold weather and everything else that was going on. So in the spring flowering bulbs, most of those are finished now, but they have been striking as well. So it's, it's really been a spectacular springtime so far. So you can't really beat it at all. Let's go now to the phones. Let's head to William's yard, and he lives in St. Charles. Hi, William. Well, good morning, everyone. Hi, Michael. I hope you're well. Speaking yes. of dogwoods, I'm sitting in my garden as we speak, and I'm looking two doors down to my neighbor's yard. He has a beautiful white dogwood. That, oh, it's got to be 30 feet in full bloom. It's gorgeous. And you do know that there's blue dogwoods. Blue? No, I don't know the blue ones. I'm, I know red is called, I think, Indian Chief. Right. Or Indian something. Or and I believe it's also a blue one. It's kind of rare, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I've never seen it or heard of it. I'm surprised. <laughs> I might as well talk about two, two things. Guzmania species. Is Which that species? familiar with you? I'm uh, looking at the what, what, five-inch spot. It says Guzmania species. It's a hmm. green plant. Well, it's a plant with green leaves and red, like a red plastic-looking flower in the middle. Are you familiar? Um, I'm sure it is, but I, you know, I just can't think of it right now. Not Annabelle. Okay. Well, right. the other thing I was talking about was that uh, our calling for was a pet peeve I have that you may well share. When you go to the garden center, you buy a plant. Normally, everyone I've ever opened up has been root bound, and I notice all my a lot of my neighbors will buy the plastic pots with the little carrying case, and they'll leave them in there. And it's been my experience every time I've opened one up, it's always been root bound, and I get the uh, wrought iron carrying or wrought iron hanging basket, and I put it in there, and it seems to do a lot better. Yeah, if plants are root-bound, you can, you know, you generally just don't want to leave them in that pot 
What you can do yeah, if you don't want to pot them up into a bigger pot is to pull the plant out, loosen the roots, put some different, put some new potting mix in the pot with them. Exactly. And, yeah, uh, that's what, exactly what I do. Yeah, so you're doing everything just right. I'm trying. Oh, and by the way, uh, <laughs> my alyssum is looking really sweet. It's doubled in size since I put it in about two weeks ago. Really? Oh, yeah. That's great. I must have a green, I must have a green hand. <laughs> Beyond the uh, thumb. Uh, real quick, what's the best way to get rid of rabbits? Uh, that's a, you know, that's a tough one. Some, some of the repellents, but don't stick, you know, stay with the repellent constantly, the same one, because they kind of get used to it. So, uh, just, what about what? Red pepper. Red pepper, you could try it. The thing is with something like red pepper, it doesn't have much resilience against any kind of rain or anything like that. So you'd have to be putting it out constantly. You could, like I say, try anything. So, uh, you know, some of the manufactured ones, some of the, let's say, the organic ones, some of the old uh, wives' tail type things, and just always change them around, and that will keep the rabbits a little bit uh, off off balance. A friend of mine gave me an old Jerry Baker book, and I uh, put all my panna bulbs and all my elephant ears in sand in a five-gallon bucket, and it worked perfect. Great. Well, that's fantastic. I must have have 300 uh, elephant ear bulbs. Oh my no, goodness! Thank you. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna well, have a thank green you. arm. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. The news you heard on KMOX. All our Sri Lankan people. ISIS is claiming responsibility. The steps towards impeachment. Impeaching Trump. Not there yet. Welcome. Joe Biden. Battle for the soul of this nation. We're calling him Sleepy Joe. Gets in as the front runner. Not the brightest light bulb. What's next? Harassing the president. We're fighting all the subpoenas. You'll hear it here. Executive privileges on the table. The most accurate 2020 census. For all the news you need to know. Going right into the heart of the election. They're not going to win against me. It's News Radio 1120. KMOX. Each year, Women of Achievement recognizes and honors 10 extraordinary women who dedicate their time in service to others. The annual Women of Achievement Luncheon is an opportunity to share and celebrate these remarkable stories of volunteerism and charitable work. This year's luncheon takes place Tuesday, May 14th at the Ritz-Carlton in Clayton. Enjoy a gourmet lunch and hear inspiring stories of how this year's honorees are making a difference in the lives of others. For event information and to purchase tickets, go to kmox.com slash WOA. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, to the phones we go. If you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We are live and lively in the Deerberg's parking lot at uh, 222, that's 222, North Highway 67, Lindbergh. And this is only one of numerous locations that the Boy Scouts, Deerberg's, and Goodwill have combined to really sort of like get it together related to Earth Day. And the the big trailer in front of right where we're sitting says Neighbors United on Earth Day and Every Day. And it's got the logo for Goodwill, and it's got Scout It Out, and that's a logo for the Boy Scouts as well. So if you need more information on locations, you'd like to do some drop-offs because you get half off. You get, a, a, I guess, a, a voucher for half-off Cardinal tickets You know, with your donation. You can go to 
mearsgoodwill.org and find out a location near you for the Deerberg. So let's go now back out to St. Charles and into Mark uh, Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a big uh, yard problem. I have about two acres, and I have all different sorts of grasses. Um, in the lawn, most of it is fescue, but I did have a big area that it was zoysia, and <clears throat> over the last couple of years, it all sort of died. So last uh, fall, I went out and... Um, Spread, uh, uh, aerated, and then put in some grass seed, but I didn't get to it until towards the end of October, and we got the early winter, and nothing sprouted from that. So this about two weeks ago, I sprayed some um, spectricide uh, weed stop over most of it and killed most of the weeds because it's o- almost all weeds and no grass, you right. know, in some big areas. And now those seem to have died, and I'm thinking about today aerating those areas again and putting uh, some more grass seed down. Is that a complete and total waste of my time and money, or is it worthwhile doing? No, you probably got an opportunity. This would be, I mean, ideally you would be doing it in September as far as the cool season grass and everything else. But uh, the month of May, you know, grass seed should be able to get established, even the cool season grasses, the fescues and bluegrasses, and because you know they're headed towards dormancy when the weather, you know, gets really, really hot. So the new, you know, newly germinated seed, it may not have the opportunity or the chance for, you know, it to make, survive totally and completely. But you're probably fine to do it. Just, you know, it sounds like you got the sequence right, and uh, just go for it. All right. Thanks for your help. And yep. thanks for your now show. let's go. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And uh, let's leave St. Charles and go to Berkeley, and that's where Fred lives. Hi, Fred. Hey, how you doing? Very uh, good. Yeah, could you give me an idea of what I can, uh, what grass seed I can use in a clay type soil? Clay without any kind of improvements at all, I would say you're better off just to let the weeds grow. I mean, it's <laughs> going to be very, very difficult for any of this. You know, let's say classic traditional type grass seed. If the soil hasn't been improved at all, if you're not core aerating, you're not putting in compost, nothing like that down at all. Uh, it's going to be just very tough. So you might just take the philosophy my father had. If it's green, it's good. And just because uh, you're not going to have a successful lawn, it's never probably going to be thick regardless of, you know, what kind of seed you put down, how much, you know, how often you put it down or anything else. All righty. Well, I yeah, appreciate I you. I listen to you from time to time when I'm rolling. So thank you. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I hate to be brutally honest, but to... If you wanted to, to try a seed, you know, it would be a K31 fescue. That's probably the toughest grass seed there is. But uh, consequently, uh, to have a thick, successful lawn, you're going to have a really tough, tough, rough time. So thanks a lot, Fred. And now let's go to Sunset Hills, and that's where Sue lives. Hi, Sue. Hello. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, well, it's not Saturday unless we're listening to the Mike Miller show here. So <laughs> I, my, my husband, my husband is out, uh, shoveling St. Louis compost, the black forest variety on the, on the berm as we speak. And I'm in here talking to you. Um, so my, uh, question is where we have a berm in the open sun and I want to put roses on it. But the yard is so open, I'd like to have a, a small open tree. 
uh, at the end of the berm. Um, the morning sun would hit the roses, but the uh, evening sun, the hot evening sun, afternoon sun, um, that's where the tree would be. And I can't, I'm thinking of, although I'm very envious of the dogwood show this year, they're gorgeous. And, but I am on the hunt for a fringe tree. I have contacted uh, some nurseries and no one has one. And they wish they did. And they have a bush variety, perhaps, but no tree. And so, so that's where I'm at with that. And I thought, well, I'll just ask. Mike and see if he knows what to do. Well, I mean, I don't know what you know what uh, you know which nurseries you've called or, but I would probably check. There's a couple nurseries. I would just go online and put you know local you know some of the local nurseries like Frisella or something like that, and because uh, they kind of specialize in let's say more or less native type plants. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be some places that are going to have them. I don't know where you actually looked, you know, by living in Sunset Hills. Have you checked, uh, like, uh, there's a you know garden center on Big Bend just south of Highway 40. So just look around, and I think you're going to be able to find it. Okay. If you, is that, if a, you good, end up is not, that a good choice? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that's a good choice. And if you, let's say you get, you don't want, let's say, take a look at, there's other trees that are going to be a little bit smaller. Are you wanting something, why are you choosing the fringe tree? Let me put it that way. Well. I like white blossom, and okay. and the and I wanted something native, and something uh, small and open and airy. Okay, I would look at there's a uh, actually a tree which has smaller flowers than the dogwood. It's called service berry, S E R V I C E B E R R Y. I would spell okay. the genus, but Amelanchier is the actual genus. So you can go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website. And you know, look at serviceberry because mm-hmm. that yeah, there's tree form, there's shrub form, but they're tough, they're durable. They give you sp- spring flowers pre-dogwood time, and that are white, a little bit smaller. They give you uh, red berries and good fall color as well. All right, that's all the things that I wanted in that tree, <laughs> so that would work. <laughs> I appreciate all right. it. Okay, yep. thank you so much. You have a good rest Certainly. of the day. Well, same to you. Now let's go out to Washington, Missouri. And Maureen, how are you? Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And my, I have a dogwood question. I agree with you. The dogwoods are beautiful this year, which is causing dogwood envy for me. <laughs> so I do have a dogwood. I planted three years ago. It was about two feet. It was kind of a sapling, I guess. Right. And... So um, now it's about four feet, maybe four and a half feet, and it has yet to bloom. This is my third year. Where did you get this sapling? I, I got it from a nursery, a local nursery. That was it was a promotion for the city, uh, Washington, and um, it was like a. You make a donation or contribution, okay. and you get the sapling. So it, it was handled through a local nursery. That's fine. That's great. The reason why I'm asking that is because if it came from you know the Audubon Society or something like that, which this kind of sounds like it is, this is a native dogwood that's not a hybrid. This is strictly Cornus, Florida. It's not Cornus, Florida with a third name after that. 
the 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 non-hybrid dogwoods, the Cornus floridas, which are the native dogwoods, you may have to wait ten to twelve years before no. you're going to get any flowers off of it. Yes. Okay. You know what it's doing? It it doesn't really have leaves. It just has like a little tip. There's like a little thing growing off the end. It looks like it's going to turn into a leaf. And just almost every branch, it looks like, has this little tip coming off of it. And, well, that should um, be the foliage. You're the not going to have yeah. any flowers. Right. So for you're not going to have flowers. Yep. Ten? Sorry. Whoa. So what kind do I get for blooming? Uh, is it three words? Yes. Three? You want cornus? Cornus? Florida, and then another name after that. All righty. Thanks, Mike. Yep. So that's just a particular species that's been hybridized to bloom at a younger age. So that's what we're talking about there. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We are live and lively as we are Neighbors United on Earth Day and every day with Goodwill and Boy Scouts together. So back after these messages. The Blues, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Three seconds left. Oh. They feed in front the man. He can't connect and bring out the Zamboni. The Blues will take game number one. Round two, game two this afternoon. Pre-game show 130. The puck drops at two. Hear the game on Y98 FM. Streaming on KMOX.com and Radio.com. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are live and lively in a Deerberg's parking lot on North Highway 67 slash Lindbergh. And it's one of the numerous locations where Goodwill's Earth Day commitment comes alive. Neighbors United on Earth Day and every day. That's Goodwill and Boy Scouts. And Boy, one of the Boy Scouts is joining me right now. So when you come by to make your donation, he'll help you get the things out of your car. Rondi, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Okay. And uh, how about donation-wise? You had a few? Yeah. And uh, so, what Boy Scout troop are you with? 950. 950, and where's that located? That's located in. Uh, uh, Is it Florissant? Or? Yeah, it's in Florissant. So, what made you join the Boy Scouts? Because I wanted to do stuff that regular people don't actually get to do. Really? Like, That's cool. Like go camping in the woods and uh, doing knots and other stuff that people don't usually do right that's great when you get experiences like that that'll they'll stay with you for the, your entire lifetime yeah. and even you though might remember them specifically it'll just be part of the whole you know stature of your character and as you get older so yeah. you know i don't want to ask you too much too many of a personal question but how old are you i'm 13 13 so how long have you been in the boy scouts oh uh, ever since i was eight or seven you're kidding yeah wow so you must be close to a general. No. <laughs> so how long are you going to stay? till 3 o'clock? Yes. So when people come, all they need to do is pull up next to the trailer, and then you'll help them get their stuff out? Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks, Rondi. Mm-hmm. Great. So greatly appreciate it. Got anybody you want to say hi to? Oh, uh, no. No? <laughs> How about your mom? <laughs> His mom's standing right here. <laughs> or maybe that's your sister. No. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. Greatly appreciate you coming on air. Thanks. So let's go back to the phones now. Let's head to Bridgeton and go into Anjard. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mike. Um, 
my apple trees this year are beautiful and loaded with blooms, and it's probably too many. Uh, a couple of times in the past, uh, about June, the apples all fell off the tree, and I had talked to you about it, and you said it was probably the tree's way of saying there were too many apples. Right. Uh, my question is, how do I thin them? The trees are about 30 feet tall. Whoa. Unless you're a squirrel, you're not going to be able to do it, unless you've got some kind of really totally wild you know, ladder system to get up there. So there's not really too much you can do. So these are obviously standard-type apples. They're probably very old trees if they're going to be that big. So uh, there's not really too much you can do. I mean, uh, you can't Would just go up there and... Just go... I'm sorry. Would go it help ahead. to just go up and trim some with a, a long uh, trimmer? and take a few uh, other branches off here and there? The branches is not the problem. It's actually the fruits. So okay. if you start cutting the branches, what you do, yes, you reduce the amount of fruit, but you also reduce the amount of foliage, and then consequently that could have an impact just on the tree in general. And especially you know, anything that's older, whether it's an older person like me or an older tree like the apples you have or anything else, Sometimes changes can really have a detrimental impact. Okay, so I just wait and see if uh, if it happens again this year, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's not really... My guess is there's going to be huge amounts of fruit set because this year with all the flowering and everything else, with all the trees and shrubs, I haven't seen any kind of winter damage on anything. So uh, a 30-foot tree, there's not really too much you can do. You could take off some of the fruit on the lower branches... But uh, if it's the weight of the fruit that's causing cracks or something like that in the branches, that's a potential problem. Water run down the trunk or the branches and then gets in, you know, into the more or less the interior, into the crack. It could cause some your know, heartwood rot or something along that line. I haven't seen that. Um, but Good. The apples that fall are smushy, like, you know. Right. And it's way too early for them to be uh, ripe. Oh, yeah, way too... Well, you've actually had apples... You haven't had any apples set yet, have you? No, no, this is in the past okay. when the, when the okay. apples fall yeah, off. Yeah, I was going to say, July. wow, you must have you know some kind of really exotic apple in a very warm you know, climate. Well, so, <laughs> they're yellow delicious, so I don't think that's too exotic. But. <laughs> well, thanks, Anne, but really there's not too much you can do. Maybe, I, again, I wouldn't prune off any branches... If you can have somebody help you that could get up on a ladder, that could take some of the fruit off in the higher branches, that would probably be my recommendation. Now let's go to Carla, and Carla is in Granite City. Hi, Carla. Hey, good morning. Um, I've got morning. two questions for you. One is about a pipe vine. I'm trying to attract pipe vine swallowtails to my yard. And uh, the other one is I've got two peonies that have come up, and they're kind of small and spindly. Is that because of improper planting depth, or is it a sunshine factor, or what? It could be sunshine. It could be improper planting. How long ago were they planted? I do not know. I just acquired the property last fall. So... Basically, it sounds like they're not in good shape. The peonies, should they normally bloom around Memorial Day, so they should be full-size. You should have your buds on the end of the, you know, the stems for the flowers. 
So consequently, if you don't have anything like that at all, it's, you know, these don't sound so good. So what you might do is just consider trying to, you know, pop them up out of the ground, take a look at them. They may have been planted too deep. They may, you know, they want to be in full sun all day long every day to get the best flowering and the best foliage. But if they don't look healthy, that's not a good sign. That's not going to, you know, the chances of them doing better is going to be somewhat limited. Okay, yeah, they're in a pretty shady spot. That's probably the problem. Absolutely, and especially if the shade's created by trees, competition with the tree roots is not good. Okay, I will put them in a sunny spot and see what I get next year. All right. Yeah, just dig them up, put them in a pot, leave them in the pot, just sink the pot in in a sunny location in your landscape someplace, and grow them in a pot for a couple years and see what happens. Okay. All right. And what's your uh, knowledge about a pipe vine? Uh, you know, it kind of rings a bell, but it doesn't. You know, I can't can't really give you any sort of insight. Why don't you send me an email, and I'll get you some information on it. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Have a great yep. day. Well, thank you, and thanks to everybody here and uh, at Deerberg's. Wow, we're getting some wind. We're getting some rain. It's really quite the interesting location. And it's Neighbors United on Earth Day. Not the location's problem. It's the weather's problem. Every day the scouts are here, Goodwill's here, and it's to collect things. So, ah, uh, wow. Just take it easy if you want to drop off some things. Not only this good, this Deerberg's, but also Deerberg's across the metropolitan area. If you're not exactly sure where, you can go to mearsgoodwill.org. That will list the locations where you can drop off. And, uh... Make sure you just take some time and appreciate what nature's done for us this spring. It's just been nothing short of spectacular. As you know, I keep mentioning it, but I've just been kind of overwhelmed. Every area that I go to for my walk and talks or for the remote broadcast, I'm just, like I said, amazed at how well the spring has been and how nice it's actually been. So. But uh, if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I will see you after the news. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Good gardening, folks. We are live and lively from the Deerberg's parking lot at 222 North Highway 67, which is Lindbergh, one of the numerous locations where Goodwill's Earth Day commitment comes alive. Goodwill has Boy Scouts. They're, par- they're partnered with the Boy Scouts. And uh, what they're doing is taking donations from you, and uh, you'll get actually a... T- a voucher to get half off on a Cardinal t- Cardinal game tickets. So the neat thing about that is there's Boy Scouts here. You just pull up. They'll take the stuff out of your car and everything else. So what could be greater than that? They're going to be here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, right now, uh, Alex is engineering. Greg is back in studio. And uh, I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But if you have any questions or concerns, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. How about your pansies? They should still be looking spectacular. And down to 38, they could care less. How about your spring flowering bulbs? Probably most of those may be finished. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your tropicals, your lawn, your perennials, roses, tree shrubs, vines, 
or water gardens. You can, you know. But please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is strictly offered to you that may help, but it's certainly not the only garden path to follow. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline for 25 years now. It seems incredible. How could I be that old? I don't feel that old. But anyway, I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. I write uh, articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And uh, I can do something, which I do during the week, is landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And on the homepage, you'll find my phone number and my email address. And we can schedule a walk and talk in your yard. Today, after the show, I'm going to be going to Maryland Heights and then Kirkwood after that. And I come rain or shine. I don't care. So that's just how it is. Today's tip of the trowel, which is a special recognition of individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. The 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trowel, actually, I think today is actually the day when this is happening. Another uh, hmm, wild day. But uh, the Webster Groves Herb Society... They're having their sale till 2 o'clock, started at 8.30 at the First Congressional Church of Webster Groves on Lockwood Avenue. Admissions free, parking's free, and uh, the Herb Society, I believe they have over 10,000 herbs and various other plants as well. So today for the, I mean, it's a fantastic event and everything else. Also at the Botanical Garden today, you know, that was Webster Groves Herb Society, it's not at the Botanical Garden, but... Uh, Today and tomorrow, they have the Chinese Culture Days at the Botanical Garden. So there's going to be a grand parade, a 70-foot dancing dragon, authentic regional cuisine, and Tai Chi, and all kinds of other stuff going on as well. So you can go buy herbs. You can come up here to make a donation for the Goodwill and Boy Scouts and everything else. And also, you know have fun by going to the botanical garden so and joining me right now is michelle michelle how come you're here well i'm part of the gardeners of florissant and uh, we are having a plant sale next friday and saturday may 3rd and may 4th we're having the plant sale in conjunction with the valley of flowers uh, festival it's on the james j egan center uh, ice rink the hours for the sale are Friday 12 to 9 and Saturday 9 to 5 or until the plants are gone. We have a large variety of annuals, perennials, vegetables, hanging baskets. Our, we have a, a bunch of tomatoes, uh, different, different varieties of tomatoes, some heirloom and such. So um, we hope to see you there and thank you. Uh, wait a second. You, uh, a question for what you said. You said the sale is on the ice rink, so people are going to have to go out onto the ice. No, there's no ice. It's dry, and uh, there will also I'm be, you um, yeah, <laughs> there will also be some crafts and stuff. But well, great. It's a great event. Yes, it is. So, well, thanks so for we coming hope, by and letting us. We know. hope we see everyone. Like I say, we have a large variety. Some of them are dug out of our own gardeners' yards. So. Ah, so again, it's the next Saturday. Next Saturday. Time, what's the time? It is nine. On Saturday, well, next Friday and Saturday. Oh, Friday, Friday and... is noon to nine okay. p.m. and Saturday is nine to six p.m. But uh, usually the plants are gone by two or three. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Michelle. Thank you. That was very nice of her. She came by, and uh, you get to hear about some other great events going on in the metropolitan area. Let's see if we can get one call in before we go to break. Let's go to John, and John is in Chesterfield. Hi, John. Good morning. Hey, I was looking forward to going out on the ice to buy those plants. I was disappointed yeah, me too. to be dry. 
<laughs> I got a couple of questions. A short sure. one and a longer one for you. Did I hear you correctly about 45 minutes ago that it's okay to start putting out grass seed now? Uh, it's, you know, normally May is about the last time you want to be putting any kind of grass seed down. And uh, earlier in May is, you know, is better because if you put it down too much earlier than that, the ground is still pretty cool, cold, and then consequently, you know, then the seed's not going to germinate anyway. And then certainly you can't put the grass seed down if you put a pre-emergent down recently. Right. So there's a couple other factors as well. Okay, so put it off a week or so? Yeah. Okay. The major question I got is on ever-blooming azaleas. Three falls ago, I bought three plants, two red and one white. And they looked somewhat different on the foliage. So the first spring, it sort of was e. Second spring, the white one bloomed, and it bloomed sort of off and on. The red ones didn't. Past sp this spring, well, it's too early for this spring, but the, the, th the major thing is the white one looked like it was a deciduous plant. There was absolutely no leaves on it. I was getting ready to dig it up yesterday, and I looked, and the entire plant is full of buds of what looks like leaves getting ready to bud out. Is that normal? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know the ever-blooming azalea varieties. Now, does that mean you're going to, you, in theory, supposed to get multiple flowers off the azaleas? Yes, and the white the one actually did. It was blooming almost all summer last summer. Really, that's kind of incredible. See, uh, the azaleas, they're, I mean, they're in full bloom right now throughout the metropolitan area. But uh, I'm right. not really personally familiar with the, uh, you know, the continuous blooming varieties. Hydrangeas and other things, but not with the azaleas. Oh, so that's a, that's a new one on me. I'll have to take a look and you know get some information on that. Okay, so I'll just wait and see what happens. <laughs> Decide whether right, or not exactly. I want to dig it up. <laughs> yeah, make sure that uh, you know you're using acid-based fertilizer yeah, because oh, yeah. they like. So you're. Do, it yeah. sounds like you're doing everything exactly as you should. The, the foliage was fine on all three of them last year, and like I said, the white one was blooming just great. The red ones have never bloomed. Never, <laughs> bloomed, never bloomed at all. And they never bloom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the foliage on the uh, the white there's not there's flower buds now, but the other ones have had uh, I mean leaf buds now, but the other ones have had leaves. Or are they all deciduous? I'm a little bit confused because well, I don't know the variety. The ones that were red, are, um, they lose a lot of their leaves. I prune them back, okay. and then they, the leaves come back. You get the foliage. You know, I know if I, a regular azalea, you know, I know if you prune it in the spring, you're not going to get a flower. Right, because you're cutting supposed, off the flower buds. Right, yeah. But it's just weird. I, halfway thinking we'll just pitch them and get a normal one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have something that could turn into be something totally exotic, so who knows? But yeah. yeah, I mean the choice is yours. You got a limited space in your landscape, and uh, you know, I would say again, I'm not familiar with a continuous blooming azalea. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, and uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Blues are in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And where can you hear all the action and get the latest blues news on Y98FM, KMOX.com, and your voice of the St. Louis Blues, KMOX. Let's go, blues! 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. If you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head down to Shirley's yard, and Shirley lives in Festus. Shirley, how are you today? Uh, Good morning. I just have one question. I wanted to see what time of the year you trim my Hicks U's. Your Hicks use. Yes. Uh, basically, the new growth, you can prune. Personally, I don't like to prune going into wintertime because if we have a severe winter, you could have some major damage to the branches and you've already cut off some. So, anytime coming out of wintertime, sometime around Valentine's Day, sometime before the weather starts getting too hot. So, let's say Valentine's Day till uh, mid May or so. Okay. We. We cut the tops off. We're using them for a hedge. We keep oh. the tops flat. And sure. they, get this, they get this new growth out this time of the year, and I was wondering if I could cut that off later, like next month maybe. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it too late because what happens is the new growth that's there now is kind of protecting the older needles, even though they've been exposed to the sun and everything else. But they've kind of gotten a little bit used to being a little bit more shaded because of the new growth. You cut that off, and then if we get some really hot, intense, sunny days, you could actually sunburn some of the needles in the areas where you've actually removed all the new or removed some of the new growth. That's oh. the only disadvantage of doing it when it you know it starts getting a little bit, let's say, intense as far as the amount of sunlight and everything. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure, and the Hicks U is one of my favorite because it just grows straight up, and uh, all you have to do is control the height, so that's a good choice. Now let's go now to Defiance in Julie's yard. Hi, Julie. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I've got a question. I'm going into the second year of my sod being planted in my backyard. Everything looks really wonderful except this small hill. Now, we re-sodded some edges because I felt like they really didn't roll the sides to adhere or something like that to adhere to the soil. So I took off the mesh area because it's kind of spotty on that little hill. But there's, like, clumps that actually look great. And I didn't know whether I should re-sod the whole hill because it's like a 5 by 5 area. Or should I amend it with um, some fescue seed or what should I do? Uh it's kind of a personal choice. Now, when they laid the sod, did they core aerate, you know, prepare the soil ahead of time before they laid the sod down, or did they just lay the sod down? They prepared the soil. They took all the scrapings and everything off, and then we added some topsoil, and then we laid. We had the irrigation system put in, and then we put the uh, sod on top of that. So the topsoil that you added, was that mixed in with the existing soil or just laid on top? Both. Okay, so if it was mixed in, then that's fine. That's perfect. So I would say, you know, you've got some, let's say, the hillside, for whatever reason, it's having a little bit of difficulty. If you're really wanting instant results, obviously you're going to go get some sod. But I think you should probably get, you know, maybe try some seed and see what you think. If you're not happy with the seed next September, you know, you can go and do some another, let's say, application of seed or do the sod in September as well. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. Certainly. Now let's go to Joe, and Joe is in St. Charles. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Mike. got a couple of questions for you. I need your expertise here and guidance. Uh, 
I've detected recently some small red pinhead sized dots on my uh, silver leaf maple on upper surface of the leaf. Don't know what it is. Uh, what do I need to do to uh, prevent uh, any further damage or growth? It's it's probably as you know, it's probably a sting from an insect, so that's causing that bloated growth. So I would say there's not really too much you can do. It's not really going to impact your foliage all that much, and uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it, to be honest. The water hose and uh, let it go. I I didn't quite hear what you just said. Yeah, would it be best if you just take a water hose to the uh, silver leaf maple? No, I you know silver leaf you know the silver maples are just you know they're the fast growers or the weak wooded and I wouldn't I, I just wouldn't you know just spraying them off with a hose I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, yeah. and my final question has to do with uh, burning bushes. I just recently had about half a dozen burning bushes uh, added to my property around the uh, foundation, and uh, one of the existing old bushes is overly sized. Uh, is this a bad time or a good time to go ahead and trim it back? I, you know, again, we're starting to get into the time, hopefully, that there's going to be some intense sun and everything else. You could go ahead and prune it, get it done as soon as you possibly can, but you want to make sure that you don't be, you don't do any pruning during, let's say, much past let's, mid-May because the foliage that's now fully exposed you know, because you've cut off some stuff is now going to be you know, gone, and then the foliage that's lower than that is going to be exposed to the sun, and you may get some sunburn on it. That's why I don't like to prune getting, you know, as, as let's say the weather gets intensely summerish. And or winterish. Yeah, so I would get it done very quickly if you're going to do it now. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate your service. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. On the next edition of the First Eleven with Bill McDermott. Hey, there's lots of MLS news affecting St. Louis, so consequently we're going to talk with Jim Cavanaugh. He's with the uh, MLS for the new ownership group. Plus, we'll talk with former national team member St. Louisan Lori Kolopny Lawson. Also, Mike Sorber. He's with LAFC. He's their director of soccer operations. We'll talk to Mike about LAFC as well as his career with the national team and MLS as both a player and coach. The First Eleven is sponsored by Bud Light. Game Day's favorite light lager and famous among friends. The First Eleven. Check it out now at kmox.com slash soccer. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Next post back, folks, back to the phones we go. We're headed to Litchfield and we're going into Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Hi there. Um, Hi. Uh, this is... This is just a comment. I heard uh, the lady say her uh, uh, yellow delicious tree was like an overachiever. We had that a pro- problem, and a friend of ours who is a nurseryman, uh, apple orchard, where he said after they bloom and get little apples as big as a pencil eraser to douse them really, really good, uh, the whole tree, of course, hers is awfully tall, with seven and that will make uh, some abort because my really? tree had yes, my tree had gotten into a feast or famine. One year I'd have hundreds, the next I'd have like sixteen, maybe twenty. And uh, 
we did what he said, and now we seem to be in more of a normal uh, crop rotation. So you're saying spray seven, which is an insecticide? Yes, I know it sounds. Wow. That was our. We were surprised too, but we did, and it worked. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks for the insight. You're welcome. Thank you. That's a new one on me, so you never know. Uh, let's go from Litchfield out to St. Charles. Patty, what's going on in your yard? Hi, Mike. Hey, um, my question, I have a couple questions, but the first one is I planted a Japanese maple uh, two years ago, and it's beautiful, but it's sprouting out of the trunk now. It's kind of starting to look like a bush, and I was wondering... Uh, I'm sure I should trim that, but when should I trim it, and how far down should I trim it? So what you're talking about, this is some, like, suckers coming off the root system, or is it coming off, actually, the trunk? The trunk. It's coming off the trunk. I would say go ahead and cut those off at any time and cut them, you know, fairly close to the actual trunk. Okay, and, like, to where the trunk V's up to that high? It depends upon you. If you don't want to have any of the suckers coming off the trunk, the new growth like that, then just you know remove them all. Okay, great. And any time, I can do that now. Yeah, you can do basically the maples. They really prefer to be pruned in the summertime, but with sucker growth, you could do that now. Okay, because it's starting to look like a bush, and, and okay. I don't want a bush. I want a tree. Right. Okay, my next question is I planted a small garden, and uh, your opinion on putting grass clippings on it to keep the weeds down or not? I don't think that works. You oh, know, it doesn't it, work. Yeah, yeah, I'm just worried about the grass clippings as far as you know, holding the moisture and everything else, causing potential fungus problems. I mean, there's going to be plenty of people that call that say they've had great luck doing that, but I would say, you know, just, just, just kind of you know, weed it. Just keep the weeds down. Exactly. Right. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. for. I appreciate it. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Now let's go to Jim, and Jim is in Baldwin. Hi, Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello. Hello. Yes, go ahead. Hey, uh, I'm in Staunton, Illinois. Uh, oh. The reason, the reason I'm calling... Uh, we have a cherry tree in our backyard. Beautiful cherries every year, but right about the time they start turning red and getting ready to pick, uh, they get moldy. Is there something I can spray on there? Yeah, I would go to your favorite garden center and tell them what, you know, what your, you know, your, the circumstances that you're having, and they would probably recommend an organic fungicide to spray on your fruits. Organic fungicide. That's what I'll right. do. One more question. Right, great. Okay. Uh, Reseed it this spring. Uh, in the winter, I put on this uh, uh, weed and feed with a winterizer. But I got tons of weeds coming up, them little purple flowers. Is there anything I can do? Well, weed and feed is basically effective against, let's say, perennial plants that are already there growing. What you're seeing, the weeds that are coming up, are annual-type weeds yes. that have have germinated. So. The pre-emergent was would have to be what you would use to you know control that. So it's really too late since the weeds are already up to uh, use the pre-emergent, obviously. But you might try a broadleaf weed killer and see you know see how that's going to work as far as getting them under control. 
How long should I wait before I put that on since I recede it? How long ago do you recede? Oh, about a month ago. Oh, you should be fine. Okay. Well, thank so you. Don't use it. Don't use a grass killer. Make sure it's a broadleaf weed killer. Broadleaf weed killer. Thank you. Right. Okay. Great. And now let's go to Norma in the city of St. Louis. Hi, Norma. Hi. How are you, Mike? Very good. Um, I have a friend in Central Missouri that has uh, two or three pin oaks in her yard, and she said that there's something on them called galls, G-A-L-L-S, right. and she said they're caused by wasps. And she Correct. has already lost one tree from that, and it's working on the other two. What is that, and how do you get rid of it? Basically, there's no control for it. And what it is, it's very small wasp, not classic wasp. They lay their eggs on the branch, and as a protective mechanism, they cause that bloating, those galls. Usually it doesn't yeah. kill the tree unless they get so big that they actually cause branches to crack, and then moisture gets in there, and you have heartwood rot and things along that line. So I'm really okay. surprised it actually killed it unless they've been, you know, she's had problems with it for multiple years. Yeah. So there's there's nothing that's effective against them. That, well, you know, they that's look pretty proven. big. Some of the, a couple of the ones that she took a picture of on the tree were as big as tennis balls. Yes, right. That's yeah. So in other words, sometimes they go back and the, the adult wasp will just lay eggs on the, let's say, the bloating, the gall, you know, yeah. because it's, you know, it's just easier for them. So there's not, yeah, okay. I mean, there's really nothing to be done. Yeah, that's too bad. I'll tell her. Now, I have a I have a, um, a dwarf burning bush in my backyard. It's in its third year, and it has never turned red. It has a few leaves on it that look like they're trying really hard to turn red. But I am very disappointed because I love burning bushes, and I don't understand why it doesn't turn red. Is there anything I can do to make it turn red? No, you really can't do anything. Uh is it in well, full sun? Guy. What? Yeah, it's in full and sun, and I pay, I paid somebody to put it in, and it just hasn't done anything, and I am super disappointed. Yeah, I would say it might be just that individual plants as opposed to just a burning bush in general. But if it's in full sun, it's it has a lot of leaves on them, and they're not you know giving you any kind of color, I'm not going to say that you should, but you probably should just get rid of it and try to get another yeah. one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give it one more chance. Okay. And see what happens. Now, if it was, now, spe- if it was speckled looking and things like that, as opposed to the leaves looking good and green and everything else. It looks very uh, healthy. Yeah, there's spider mite problems that cause, the, say, the lack of coloration. But uh, it sounds like everything's good. Yeah. It's just it's a bad shrub. Well, that, well should he pay for that then, or, or how does I, that you work? You know, that's something I don't know. I yeah. can't answer that. Well, that when you pay so much money to have plants put in, and then stuff like that happens, I don't know. Right. And then one more thing, I have a, I have a dogwood that was planted last year. It obviously didn't flower last year because it was planted after the flowering time. But this year, it flowered out with some really beautiful flowers on it. In the lower two thirds, uh, the top branches really didn't get any flowers on. That, that doesn't mean they won't get some next year, does it? No, it does not. Yeah, okay, so but it, it, I'm, it could, I was so happy to see it bloom. It was very pretty. Right. Well, that sounds great. <laughs> yes, the dogwoods were spectacular this year. They really and were. And still are. Yes. Yep. Oh, I know. They're gorgeous. Thank you so much for uh, taking sure. my call. Thanks. My Bye-bye. pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. 
Garden Hotline's got a few more minutes to go, and uh, we'll talk to you after these messages. Get ready for the Cards and Reds this afternoon. Ammon Total Access 1220. First pitch, 115. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're live and lively from the Deerbergs on North Limburg, or actually North Highway 67. And uh, if you've got some donations you'd like to give to... Goodwill during the Neighbors United on Earth Day and every day. They've got Boy Scouts here to take the things right out of your car, so it's working. I mean, what a great combination, Boy Scouts and Goodwill. If you've got more information about locations besides the one we're broadcasting from, you can go to mirrorsgoodwill.org, and it will list all the locations. I think there's 10 or 11 or 12 different locations that this is happening. And uh, let's go right now to Eileen, and she lives in West County. Hi, Eileen. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hi. And I so enjoy your show. I was thinking maybe your listeners would be interested in an upcoming event that I just heard about last week while at a talk at the Garden, the annual herb sale sponsored by um, the St. Louis Herb Society is going sure. to begin next Thursday for members only, and then it will be open to the public on Friday from 9 to 5. But I think everyone's itching to get out in the garden and plant. So just wanted to put that on your listeners' radar. All right. Sounds perfect. Well, thanks, Eileen. Now let's go to Breeze, Illinois. And Don, how are you today? Oh. Oh, it's Ron. Sorry. Yes, go ahead, Ron. Uh, Say, uh, I wonder if I could fertilize my knockout roses occasionally through the growing season. And if if now would be a good time to start? Yeah, you should fertilize them every month through the entire growing season. As soon as the new growth starts emerging from the foliage, you can make the first application of fertilizer. I use rose food. I recommend using rose food because it's going to have some of the, let's say, micronutrients that maybe regular fertilizer doesn't have, which will, are going to benefit your roses. So then monthly all the way up and with the last feeding, uh, uh, it's going to be weather dependent, but sometime probably in late September. Okay. I do have rose food. Thank you very much. Perfect. Now let's go to uh, Carol, and she lives in Florissant, so she must be very close to where we're broadcasting from. Hi, Carol. Yes, hi. How are you? I'm trying to find out what type of uh, shady shrub can I put that that flowers. I have an azalea that's, that's dead now, and it's been there about 15 years. But my trees have gotten bigger, and it's not getting as much light as it used to. So... What type of what time of this year? What time of the year do you want it to bloom? Let's put it that way. Well, I don't care as long as it blooms. I would like to have something that blooms all year, but if if not, as long <laughs> as it does bloom, to give me some color. Now, how much? So, is this total hundred percent shade, or is this part shade? Well, like right now, the leaves are starting to come on the trees, so it's not as much shade. But the, right. you know, as the season goes, I have more shade. The, I would take can, a look at their, there's a shrub called uh, Sweet Spire. The genus is Itea, I-T-E-A. Take a look at that one. It has nice fragrance. It's really pretty reliable as flowering goes. It is deciduous, so it's going to lose its leaves. 
Uh, take a look at also maybe an oak leaf hydrangea, which is going to be a little bit bigger shrub than the Itea. It's going to be much more vertical. The Itea could probably get maybe three feet high, three feet wide, where the oak leaf hydrangea is probably going to get about six or seven feet high with multiple stems coming out of it. So those are probably two I'd look at. If you wanted something to bloom very early in the season, a witch hazel would be something to consider. It's going to bloom in the springtime and then just be foliage for the rest of the time. So maybe a combination of all those. Okay, the witch hazel does have flowers? Yes, witch hazel has uh, yellow flowers in the springtime. Okay, okay, and so do the leaves die out in the in the in the winter? Or are they still right. green? They, they if, did die no, out. They're, no, they're uh, all all three of these are deciduous. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Thank you very much. Yeah, and if you wanted something maybe kind of unique that's not really flowering, but it's going to give you a great impact, there's a shrub called red twig dogwood. It's in the dogwood family. It's not a classic dogwood. It's a shrub. It has multiple branches, and they're vibrant, bright red. And if you so in the winter time, that's what you're going to see: these really bright red twigs. But uh, in the summertime, if you get the variegated one, meaning the foliage is going to be light green and white, then it's going to look like a just a giant white, you know, shrub, which we you would kind of think, well, maybe it's in flower, but it's really just the foliage. So you're going to get a really good impact off the foliage of that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Yeah, and the red twig dogwood is tough. It's durable. It can take a wet soil. It can take sun. It can take shade. So that would be one to consider. Barbara is in Fairview Heights. Hi, Barbara. Good morning. My mother, my, my mom in her flower bed, she has a... Small, it's in its second year, red, um, one of those small decorative red maples. And she offered it to me. I do have a spot for it. And just wondering when would be a good time to transplant that. It is in its second year. I would probably say uh, September would be the best time to move it. And it will develop roots enough that it would not freeze. During that time, yeah. or over the basically, winter? what happens is you know transplanting in the fall is the soil is really warm, so that encourages root growth. So that's why it would be you know a good time to be you know transplanting it. Okay, and probably uh, another- I would say, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say probably if it's only two years old in the same spot, there probably hasn't been that much root advancement. So, yeah. but just realize you know. When you dig it up, put it in a pot to move it. Don't, you know, and, uh, you know, just be careful with it. Make sure when you replant it that you water it really well. And plant it, dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 75 to 80% is deep. So the top of the root ball, the crown, is going to be above the surrounding ground. Okay. I was just going to leave it where it is. Uh, my mom lives close to me. So I was just going okay. to leave it there until September. Okay, that that's would, fine. That would be okay. All right, sure. now, um, we have, um, at the back of our house, we have three arborvitaes that have grown to where they are blocking, um, looking out of our, you know, the, the windows in the back of the house, uh, two-story. Right. Can you top those, or does it look like they've had a crew cut? Yeah, they don't look so good when they've been pruned. Yeah. There's one of those, okay. you know, one of those plants that doesn't take pruning very well. It makes it look kind of funky. 
makes it look funky. That I was right. I was thinking that was it. Okay, those are the questions I have, and thank you so much for your help. Well, great. Well, thank you. And, folks, I think that's going to be our last call for the day. Sorry, Glenn, in Steelville, we can't get around to you. But I want to thank the people at Deerberg's for having us in their parking lot. I want to thank to all the people who are dropping some stuff off. There's a gentleman right there. For the Goodwill United, our Neighbors United on Earth Day and every day, it's in combination with the Boy Scouts. The Boy Scouts are in the trailer right now, so as soon as you start bringing stuff up, they come right out of the trailer to get your stuff. So what could be better than that? I don't know what the weather is like uh, where you are, but right now up here in Florissant, it's raining pretty hard. So uh, obviously stay off your lawn. You don't want to compact your lawn by doing a lot of walking or anything when it's wet. But, uh, wow, what a spectacular spring this has been. I've said this a couple times, but I just I can't, still can't get over it. But uh, I want to thank the people, the people from Deerberg's. They came out and asked us if the, there was anything they could do for us, and we... Yeah, we're not able to, we didn't really need anything, but we appreciate them taking the time to ask us. And uh, again, just, uh, you know, make some donations and uh, get the voucher for the half-off Cardinal tickets. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, we are live and lively. And thanks to Alice, Alex here and Greg back in studio. So just have a wonderful day and enjoy. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.